have Battletoads? It's Nescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo library with a few pit stops along the way. We play them briefly, we judge them harshly, we rank them. That is pretty much all you need to know. I'm Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero, and we do have Battletoads. Uh, we've got Rash, we got Pimple, we got Zits, which did we talk about last time how two of those are just the same thing? You know, I don't think we did. Those are lazy names, right? You know, because I feel like it should be Rash, Pimple, and then I don't know what the third one would be. Herpes? Uh, uh, blisters? Pus? I- yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know what? Can you answer me this? Why are there three Battletoads? In the original game, like these characters were created for a game in which there were only two playable characters. Why did they bother making a third one? That's a good question. I mean, on the one hand, like, I think it's good that they did because the one guy that they left out ended up being, you know, like, he's the heavy hitter. He's he's the big guy. Yeah, yeah, true. We got cool guy. We got big guy. and. I don't actually know what the other guy's role in all of this is. I don't either. I think in the the Xbox reboot of these, they made him like the normal guy. They made him like the leader. He's the straight man. He's the straight man. Then you had the big dumb one and the incredibly narcissistic but secretly self-loathing one who wears sunglasses all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a weird game. I don't know. But uh, I have more good things to say about it than the one we're playing today. So <laughs> we'll get into that, I guess, in a little bit. But we got we got some other games that aren't just Battletoads. Well, uh, today we have got B.O.B. or Bob. And uh, we've got Kakoma Night in Busyland or Kicks. Yeah. And of course, Battletoads in Battle Maniacs. This is our, our first set of games for... June 1993. I'm excited to be back in it. It's been a little while since we've actually recorded a normal episode of the show. It's good to to get back into playing some games that I'm not super familiar with, revisiting some games that uh, I played as a kid. Did you have any anything else you wanted to say up top here before we get into these? Uh, not really, other than which one do we want to tackle first? Well, uh, you know, that's a good question. We've got, as we as we sometimes do on this show, three games that we can kind of stratify, right? We, we, could, we you know, had a game we quite liked, a game that we didn't like so much, and a game that, um, you know, is fine. The good, the bad, and the indifferent, you might say. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair to say. Let's just go into it. Let's just get into that battle, Toads. Yeah, let's talk Toads. doing it we're finally covering a battletoads game um battletoads is a pretty well-known franchise on the nes even though it only had one game on the nes well uh, no that's not true yeah there's one still to come on the nes battletoads debuted on the nes in 1991 and while it's infamous for its incredibly challenging gameplay it stood out among a lot of other nes games for its bold visual style, varied mechanics, and for the strong personalities of the Toads themselves. An obvious attempt to cash in on the popularity of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but, you know, I would say, like, 
visually at least a better one of those than most because there were a lot of them. Battletoads was created by British studio Rare, who had a close relationship with Nintendo at the time and would even become a second party developer for Nintendo between 1994 and 2002. Battletoads was popular enough to get some extensive coverage in Nintendo Power. Issue 25 not only featured extensive coverage of the game, but interstitial comics featuring characters from the game offering commentary. And also um, some weird guy who's not from the game, and I don't know what his deal was. It was very strange. Um, th- those comics weren't great. They, it was no Star Fox, let's say. <laughs> Uh, Battletoads would get ported to the Game Boy, which was a different game from the Game Boy game called Battletoads <laughs> that came first. Uh, Amiga, Genesis, Game Gear, among other systems, and would see proper sequels on the Game Boy, which is the aforementioned game simply called Battletoads on Game Boy, and the SNES, which is the game we are talking about today. They'd also team up with the Double Dragons for a game that we will get to in the future. That is the uh, the exception to the... Uh, thing I said earlier about there only being one Battletoads game on the NES. The series also saw an arcade release, which was the first game to... Nope, actually, that's not true. <laughs> I almost said that was the first game to make all three Toads playable, but no, that happened in Battletoads Double Dragon as well. Uh, but it did de-emphasize the strange and often difficult non-brawling aspects of the game, and it upped the violence in a, a frankly kind of fun way. <laughs> that game's enjoyably gory in a very post-Mortal Kombat way. Yes, very much so. And uh, I played that game on the Rare Replay Collection, where it is available along with the original NES Battletoads. And I will say it is by far the most fun I have ever had with any Battletoads game, either alone or with a friend. And that makes it kind of disappointing that that arcade game would be the last time uh, we would see a new Battletoads game uh, until their revival last year. So uh, between 1994 and 2020, there would be no new Battletoads. Of course, we alluded to it at the start of the show, but there was a, a long-running, uh, I guess, prank that that people in the 2000s uh, ostensibly liked to play. I don't know how often this actually happened, of calling GameStop stores and asking the poor put-upon minimum wage clerks at the GameStop uh, if the new Battletoads was in. You you can speak to that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I worked at a GameStop around this time, and yeah, it happened a f- lot, actually. Be, be kind to people working service jobs, folks. Don't do that. Yeah, it's a very funny joke to ask a game store for Battletoads. Although, I, I heard it was also a thing that people would do to the Pawn Stars uh, shop, and that's legitimately funny. That's fine, honestly. Yeah. Call GameStop's corporate offices and ask for Battletoads. Call HR at at GameStop and ask them about Battletoads. In any case, uh, along with a um, a couple of games and a popular prank calling meme, um, the Battletoads also got a cartoon pilot produced by Deke in 1992. And I pretty much only bring this up because the show is produced by a guy named David Wise, which in an uncanny coincidence also happens to be the name of the composer of the music in Battletoads, but is not the same person. We will have a lot more to say about the composer David Wise when we talk about Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, and it's frankly incredible David Wise soundtrack. I, yeah, I'll, I'll just um, say it right now. He might be responsible for my favorite video game soundtrack of all time. I think that he also composed the extremely good soundtrack to the modern revival Donkey Kong Country games, the Donkey Kong Country Returns and, and Tropical Blast. Uh, Tropical Freeze? 
Tropical Freeze. That's right. Tropical Blast is is like a drink or something. Yeah, Tropical Freeze also sounds like a drink and a pretty tasty one, I might say. Uh, Tropical Freeze has incredible music, but uh, that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, other than all that, um, Rash is also a guest character in um, Xbox's Killer Instinct series. And um, that's, that's about it. That That's pretty much the entirety of... Uh, of Battletoads lore at this point, unless they're a weird niche comic book that I'm forgetting about or something. Yeah, I, I think you got them all, honestly. So can I ask, you, you went back and read some of those uh, comic interstitials from that Nintendo Power issue. Did that explain at all what they are or what their whole deal is? Um, no, I don't think it did, though. I think the cartoon tried to give them a backstory in which they are human high schoolers who transform into toads really i don't know if that is like lore that was ever established in any of the games but um it feels unnecessary no the reason why i ask is because the setup in the nes battle toads is odd but it's not particularly questionable it's just you know the battle toads are these cool guys in space evil queen kidnaps a uh princess and you have to go rescue her uh but I'm confused by the story set up for Battle Maniacs, which plays if you leave the, the you know, title screen on uh, in place of like an attract mode or something. It's strange. It's like the Battletoads go to a base in Tibet where their bird mentor is showing off a new video game and then characters from the video game come out and kidnap the daughter of the person who owns the corporation that their bird mentor is working for. So they have to go into the game to save her. And also one of the battle toads who also gets kidnapped. Uh, Cause you can't play as the three battle toads in this game, of course, then the levels in the game, I guess are kind of like recreations of stuff from the NES game, but like embellished and changed. Like, I don't get it. I don't get what the deal is with this. Okay, so I will say one thing in the comics that is very interesting is that there's a character, a human character in those comics who claims to be the president of some industries or something. I wonder if it's his daughter. Like, do they actually plan all this out? Is there like a show Bible for Battletoads somewhere? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, because... Yeah, I don't understand, really. But, like, one thing that's very... That is is extremely confusing in the the intro animation thing for this game is, like, the guy who has kidnapped the, the girl and the Battletoad shows up on the screen, and he's, like, this big, like, scary, like, Skeletor-looking guy. And he's like, it's me, Silas Volkmeyer. It's like, that's just your name? Volkmeyer was the guy from the comic, but he wasn't a weird skeleton person. Okay, this makes a little more sense. There's not like some deep lore for Battletoads. They're just making it the hell up. Oh my gosh, folks, we haven't even started talking about this game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so so the original Battletoads was kind of a brawler, kind of not. Not really. I mean, it's kind of, it presents itself as a brawler at first, but that's really only like the first level and a little bit of like small bits of other levels in the game later on. 
Yeah, um, after that, it turns into like a lot of other different kinds of games. Some of them are kind of neat, like the repelling section where you where your toad can turn into a giant wrecking ball and smash into things. That's pretty fun. And then some of it's less fun, like the weird turbo tunnel thing where almost no eight year old ever managed to complete it and just had to wonder what the rest of the game was like. This game feels like they took that game made the visuals way, way better, which I will say, like, the visuals on the NES version were already quite good for an NES game. I shouldn't even really need to use the qualifier for an NES game. They were quite good. Uh, visuals here, also quite good. But they made it even less fun somehow. They stripped out even more of the brawling aspects of the game. They left in the frustrating mechanics that weren't really all that fun. The repelling section is now just like the toads are on weird hoverboards. I don't think you can turn into a wrecking ball anymore. I don't know because I couldn't beat the first level and I I know I've played more of the game in the past, but I honestly just didn't care to. I think this game is pretty bad. I agree. I think this game is quite bad. I got a little further than you. I, I made it through that first level and I, I just barely made it through the second level and then I died like 30 seconds into the turbo tunnel and I was out of continues. So I was like, okay. That's it. I'm good. I can say for sure that that second level is not as fun as the one in the original game, largely because they did, you know, kind of like where we'll talk about this with the brawler level, too. But they stripped out a lot of the stuff that felt good and fun in that you're on like a little hover pod. You can press a button to like slam it down below you. But you can't do any of like the side to side stuff. There's also large sections of it where you have to like thread your way through these really narrow paths that will hurt you and kill you if you ran into the sides. The graphics are better, but I, I kind of honestly question to what end because this didn't do anything for me. Yeah, like even the first level, like it, it, it takes out a lot of the personality and the really fun aspects of that first level in Battletoads that makes you think that this is what the game is going to be like and gets you excited for it. It's a very standard brawler level. There's a lot more ways to die in a very cheap way. You know, platforms sink into the lava and, and just insta-kill you. Um, bridges burn behind you. Yeah, guys can just, like, kick you off of the side of the level and kill you. Way less cool boss, too. Yeah, the, the boss in the first level of the original Battletoads was a really cool idea, which I think we talked a little bit about in the last episode. But, uh, yeah, yeah, even that's gone, and it's it's just a very bog-standard, you know, giant enemy kind of brawler boss. It's, it's boring. It's boring. It, the controls feel kind of slipperier and less... Um, I don't know, less there, there's less of a good feeling of like impact from the hits. They also, I feel like, kind of stripped out some some stuff you could do in that first level in the original game. Like in the original game, you could pick up objects and like hit enemies with them. And there's nothing like that here. It's really just you have a couple of moves that are all on the same button. You know, you can hit guys, you can ram into them, uh, you can throw them. And everything, the level is longer, the enemies have more health, and it's just tedious. Like, it's not fun, and, like, it doesn't matter that the graphics are better, because everything that you're doing with them is is really blah. Super disappointing, you know? Like, I was kind of expecting, when I first booted it up, like, now they did add an, a second attack button, right? Like, you've got a, a hard and a soft attack? Nope! 
no, you don't. It's This might as well be an NES game. Yeah, except, again, like you said, you have less options here. You can't pick things up. There's no weapons. You don't have, like, the fun thing with the flies coming in where you can eat them for extra health. Yeah, that's right. They didn't do that in this. This was their chance to take what was good about that original level in the NES game and expand on that and make something more fun. And they... They somehow stripped it down even more. It's so weird. It's like, this is like the opposite of Castlevania 4 in some ways, right? Imagine if Castlevania 4 had looked the way it does, but it took out like sub-weapons or something from original Castlevania. I don't think Battletoads was ever a great franchise with the exception of the arcade game. And I and I don't have an opinion on the, the revival because I never played it. I think Battletoads originally had a, a very strong visual look to it that gave it a lot of press and a lot of goodwill, and that just got squandered on gameplay that emphasized, you know, like doing weird, difficult things over just being fun. You know, and, and instead of like fixing that, they just doubled down on it and made it even more bland. Also, it, it's pretty much not relevant because you're if you play this, you're probably going to die when you get to the Turbo Tunnel anyway. But uh, this game has about half as many levels as the original game. And even though these levels are longer, it doesn't really make up for it that much. Like, there are these bonus levels in this where you're uh, writing, like, a big, like, uh, checker piece uh, along a kind of auto-scrolling field full of bowling pins that you're trying to pick up for points. Uh, it looks nice. It's probably the nicest looking level in this game, but it's not fun. There are a lot of Battletoads apologists on, you know, for for the original game, you know, and, and, and I'm willing to say, you know, like if you are the type of person who's looking for just a really challenging game with a lot of different kinds of gameplay in it, you know, there is something in Battletoads, original Battletoads for a lot of folks, but I mean, if that's what you're looking for, then just play that one again. I, I can't even recommend this one for, you know, the, the, the masochists who love Battletoads for its difficulty. Like, I, I just don't think there's enough here to recommend it to anybody. So I guess we ought to try and figure out a place for this one. Um... Yeah, let's do it. I'm kind of looking at something like Super Valus 4, like which was way down there at number 79. I'm not even sure if I would put it above Super Valus 4, really. So I would go a little lower, actually. Uh, well, quite a bit lower, actually. Uh, the one I was looking at was Gods at 112, which um, I think this is probably better than that. Like, I think I'd probably rather play this than Gods. But I feel like... There is a, a bit of a similarity here in terms of them being like just brutally hard and, you know, kind of nice looking, but in a way that doesn't really doesn't really help the game <laughs> eventually. Yeah, I, I think I could go with that. Uh, I'm not sure how much higher up I would put it from there. Well, where, where do we get to a point where you can definitively say that a game is better? I would say 91 Super Turrican, even though like with the caveat that that one is probably going to get moved back up at some point. Even where it is right now, you know, I, I would say it probably doesn't go above that. Maybe not even Tasmania at 92. Maybe that's a better ceiling for this one. Because Tasmania, at least, was creative. It was, yeah. I was really trying to do something different with its license, which is appreciated for sure. Yeah, where this one is literally doing the same thing that the last one did, but less. Okay, that, that's, 
Yeah, that makes sense to me. So we, we've got a little bit of a range there then. You know, I'd probably say that I, I think this Battletoads game, I liked it more than Prince of Persia. I think I liked it more than Outlander. But I could hear an argument for it going below those. No, and in fact, you know, I might say at the very least the Battletoads are not cops, so maybe they deserve to go above Lethal Weapon. That's true. That's that's fair. Yeah. And I think that Tom and Jerry, it's fine, but it is a, a also a pretty just bog standard platformer. So I could maybe give Battletoads a little bit of credit for kind of trying to at least push like the technological aspect of the game a little bit further. Maybe this just goes right below Tasmania then. I'd be good with that. Yeah. Boy, the 90s are getting real full of 1993 games, aren't they? Yeah, they sure are. All right, so congratulations, Battletoads and Battle Maniacs, your number 93. Um, really, it's just a race to get Lethal Weapon out of the top 100 for me. No cops allowed in the top 100. <laughs> yeah. Uh, given what's going on in Texas right now, I think you're just allowed to make up rules uh, whenever you want now. Pretty sure you are, yeah. Yeah. So I am saying if you are a cop and you're listening to this, um, I will fine you $10,000. I can do that. Supreme Court said so. so <laughs> uh, well, now that's all done. Uh, let's move on to, uh, well, you know what? Let's save the best for last. Let's save Bob for last. Let's go on to Kakoma Night in Busyland because I don't think I've got a lot to say about this one. No, I don't either. made this one uh so this one was made by a developer effect not effect but affect and this was published by seda usa i think we've talked about seda before they don't have a ton oh i think we talked about them with um uh, musia a classic japanese tale of horror yeah and also actually i i think they they released uh f1 roc yeah yeah we've we talked about them a couple of times i guess but uh, yeah, different. Very different from, from both of those games is this one. And uh, unfortunately, I think Affect might be a new one. I, I'm not prepared to talk about them in depth yet, but uh, luckily they will also be um, developing Kendo Rage. Uh, again, another uh, SATA-published game. So when we get to that one, hopefully I'll remember to uh, discuss them in more depth. They don't have a huge gameography, so I don't think they were around for very long. But yeah, they did this game, and it's a game that is is uh, derived from uh, Kicks or Quicks. Uh, I'm not sure how you're supposed to pronounce that, actually. I think it's Kicks because the, it doesn't have a U uh, after the Q. It's just Q-I-X. That probably is the case, Alan, then. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, this is kind of... How would you describe this? Kicks is, is a, an arcade game in which you're trying to capture territory. You play a character who is confined to the borders of a larger picture on the screen. And by moving into the picture, you sort of um, section off different parts of the picture. And if you can get from one side or, you know, one, one part of the border to another, you'll uncover part of that picture. And the obje uh, objective of the game is to uncover enough of the picture to clear the round and uncover the entire picture while avoiding uh, enemies that can also move along the borders and along borders of areas you've cleared and other enemies that just kind of float around and fire projectiles at you while you're trying to uh, cordon off more of the picture. Hopefully I, I made that make sense. <laughs> no, that, that was a good explanation. And in this game, there are kind of power-ups hidden within the picture that you can 
acquire by sectioning off, by completing the sections that have those power ups. Usually, they're things like that that make you move faster, or you know, give you give you you know some some extra abilities to help you survive a little bit uh, if you get if you get in trouble with the the enemies. This is a fairly prolifically uh, present kind of game, uh, especially in in this era. And this one is, uh, I think, mostly distinguished by the fact that it has a very, very cute visual style. So uh, you're, you're playing as one of three characters who uh, essentially uh, just play all the time and don't do any work, which is how they manage to not be affected by the evil queen, evil princess. I can't remember who. I think she, they say she's a, a sorceress or a witch or something. She casts a spell on the land because this is another thing about kicks is usually they like to have some kind of theme about transitions. Um, you know, and, and here, you know, you're you're transitioning the world. You've got the, the dark cursed world. And by cordoning off more of the area, you bring it back to normal. It, it comes back to life and, and it's all of its colorful candy looking glory. So yeah, I guess the conceit here is that the king of this kingdom and these three kids were not affected by the sorceress's spell because they're lazy, <laughs> essentially. Right. Yeah. So the king rules the land of busy land where everyone is industrious and hardworking and everything goes great all the time. Uh, but the king has nothing to do. So he's actually really lazy. But over in the dark world of Lazyland, this evil sorceress has decided she wants everything that Busyland has. So she casts a spell that kind of transforms Busyland into Lazyland, I guess. Essentially, this game's moral message is, you know, hey, you can work all you want, but ultimately, what's that really going to get you? Yeah, right? The king just plays golf all day and he's fine. Yeah, capitalism's bad, actually, turns out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the only people not affected were the the people who were actually very lazy in Busyland. So it's up to them to save the princess of Busyland by turning the world back into into Busyland. Yeah, because I guess the princess is trapped in a mirror or something. Basically, like every time you complete a set of three levels in this game, it uncovers a little piece of the the picture of the princess, which, um, you know, this is another thing with Quicks games. A lot of them are kind of kind of sexy. A lot of them are kind of etchy games, you know, where you're you're slowly uncovering uh, a, a, you know, sexy picture of of a lady. That is not the case here. This is all very G rated, very nice, uh, family friendly and, um, you know, just in general, it's it's extremely cute. Yeah, this is not uh, Miss World Nude 96, which uh, we played a long time ago on a YouTube channel and got more views than we only YouTube video. Yeah, only, yeah. only YouTube video to crack a thousand views. And honestly, uh, I am not above doing another just purely clickbaity video talking about that game again to, to uh, get the word out about this podcast. So look for that someday in the future. <laughs> Who knows? I also, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at Moby games right now. I'm just seeing that like the Japanese version of this, uh, the programmer, uh, Sutomu Yoshikawa is credited as crazy Tom. <laughs> okay. Sure. game's fine. Whether or not you like this game is going to heavily depend on how much you want to play Kicks, because that is pretty much what this is. It's a 
surprisingly short game, too. It is. Yeah, um, I would say maybe too short for this kind of thing. Like, I feel like this kind of game should have maybe twice as many levels as this one does. The uh, the long play that exists is like 15 minutes long. It's fine for what it is, but it is it is more or less just that. Like, there are no surprises here. Yeah, I, I, I could probably send this one over to the list, see where we want to put it, unless you had anything else to say about it. I really don't. Let's let's go ahead and place it. I'm looking for like another puzzle game that might be. Uh, yeah. You no, know, we haven't talked about in a while. Uh, Pushover, which is uh, at number 61 right now. I think that Pushover is a more interesting game than this. It, it certainly got a lot more content than this one. We got Populous at 63, which, I don't know, could maybe loosely be called a puzzle game. Loosely, yeah. Large amount of content there. Like, what what was it, like 99 different scenarios or something like that? Yeah. Um, which all took longer to play than one, one round of this, for sure. So this is the tough thing about this game. It's fine, but I don't really have any, like, reason to tell somebody to play this one over any other version of Quicks, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, um, hmm. I'm just trying to look for, you know, like a good maybe floor for this one. Okay. Um, how would you think this compares to Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego? Hmm. Gosh, it really depends on a lot of things, I think. Because on the one hand, if, if you're a parent looking for like a, a decent edutainment kind of thing, I would definitely go with Carmen Sandiego. I mean, honestly, the only time I would probably recommend this over that is if you're really, really looking to play a game of kicks. You know what I'm saying? Let's keep going down. That's useful. That's good. Let's see, where is Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego right now? That's a number 82 right now. I will say at the very least, like, you know, Cool World is kind of a puzzle game and or, or apparently has some kind of puzzles in it that we could not decipher. Yeah. At least uh, Busyland is, you know, like. That's more straightforward than that, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Would you would you put this above Cool World? Uh, I might. I mean, I could probably put it above Cool World just because I can play this game and Cool World for as kind of generally interesting as it is, is very hard to make progress in uh, for, for, for reasons that it probably shouldn't be. And also, since we played Cool World, I have seen more of that game played. And like the other thing Cool World has that this just does not is some very ropey platforming that comes in later on. I could give this one the edge over Cool World for sure. Um, would I give it the edge over Brawl Brothers? I'm not sure about that. Maybe that means this should be our new 85. All right. Um, I would be good with that. So, yeah, let's go ahead and put Kakoma Knight in Busyland here in our, our 85th spot. All right. So way to go. Kakoma Knight, Busyland. You've you've chalked your way up to 85. <laughs> we didn't actually mention that they use chalk to sort of mark out the territory. That joke doesn't make sense unless I explain that, I guess. <laughs> and, you know, you can chalk it up to us not really having a lot of feelings about this game. Yeah. But hey, you know something I, I, I think I've got a little bit more to talk about than, than Kakomanitis would be uh, B.O.B. Or as he's known in Japan, Space Funky B.O.B. Which is a name they really should have kept over here because uh, A of all, that's fun. B of all, B-O-B, even, you know, with this initialism for Bob here, 
um, not great for SEO, even when I'm just dealing with video game websites, because there are B.O.B.s in Marathon and uh, uh, Overwatch and I think something else. So they, they maybe needed a more distinct name for this character. Yeah, I kind of wonder if maybe that's part of why this didn't proliferate as a series, even though it seems like it could have really easily, you know, supported more than just this one game. Yeah, well, they did try, and, and I'll get into that a little bit here as I talk about the history. So this one does come to us from publisher EA and developer Grey Matter, and I'm fairly certain we've discussed both of those. Grey Matter was the studio behind James Bond Jr. Uh, uh, this is a considerably better game than that. It's also considerably better than Wayne's World, which they made and which uh, we we talked about fairly recently. Uh, as a franchise, this is... Something of a non-starter, but uh, B.O.B. was released on the SNES and Genesis, and it also saw a re-release on the PSP as part of EA Replay, a compilation containing 14 games from the 16-bit era, which included some of the uh, Strike games like Desert Strike and Jungle Strike, uh, some of the Wing Commanders, some Road Rash games, and a few more. Uh, a sequel had been planned for this, and one of the folks who worked on the game was named B.J. West, who currently runs an outfit called Kelp Entertainment, uh, which worked on cinematics for SimCity 3000, but more recently they've done work uh, mostly for independent movie studios and music videos. He worked on a game called B.O.B. 2, which was slated to be released for... Uh, some kind of 32-bit platforms, probably the PlayStation, maybe some others, like uh, the uh, Sega Saturn or something like that, for all I know. But it was going to be a 3D platformer, given how few uh, 2D platformers made the transition to 3D with Grace. Uh, it's debatable if that game would have even been any good anyway, but I don't know if uh, if any elements of that game still exist anywhere, but... Uh, and I, I don't know how far along they were in the production of that before it got canceled. So I'm going to guess pretty early on. I've never seen any any, you know, images from it. But also, like, I feel like this is a pretty unknown game. Yeah. And I think that's a shame because I think that this is a really solid title. Obviously, we've played a little bit of this. I've played through the first couple of levels. I think I got up to like level seven or something. Uh, I've played them a few times and... Yeah, I find this game really charming. I find the mechanics really solid. Uh, I think the level design is good. I don't think there's anything amazing about this game, but I think it does... I, I don't think it does anything really wrong, either. Um, it's it's just very solid. It's got a lot of charm. Music's good. It's kind of disappointing that this didn't have the, the name recognition or, you know, the or I guess the marketing push to make this into a bigger franchise, because I think this game deserved a, another chance. You know, I enjoyed this game, too, and I, I do think there's some kind of rough edges on it that a sequel really could have ironed out. So it's kind of a shame that, you know, it never really got the chance for that. But uh, I think we should probably talk a little bit about what this game is and, you know, get into that. This game is a side-scrolling uh, platformer shooter. And it is, uh, you know, a little more serious about that shooter aspect of it than I was expecting it to be, certainly. You are a robot man, a very cute, kind of cartoony-looking robot guy with big eyes. And you are trying to get to a date. <laughs> you have a date with a girl, and uh, you crash your dad's hover bike at the beginning and have to make your way across a variety of hostile alien planets to uh to get to your date 
And that means that you are going through uh, a bunch of different levels that are all based on a few different templates. And Bob, he is uh, kind of slow moving, but he's got a pretty good jump, uh, pretty like useful jump and a bunch of different weapons he can pick up, which all have limited ammo, as well as a, a few additional tools he can use, which once again are, are consumable. So there's like a, a spring and a mobile kind of floating platform. And you're basically just supposed to explore these levels, you know, shoot the enemies in your way and get to the end of them. So pretty straightforward, but it's all done, uh, I think, quite well. Yeah, Bob himself is really well animated. He's got um, some really great idle animations. He's got a lot of actions that he can take. You can make him duck and he can move while in a crouched position. He can grab on to certain ledges and move back and forth while holding on to them in a, an animation that's very simple but very cute. You just see his, his fingers kind of move as if that alone is what's propelling him forward and backward along these pipes or ledges that he's hanging from. Um, and he's got a couple of different death animations, but nothing, you know, quite as ridiculous or crazy as Bubsy. Well, they don't get in the way the way the Bubsy ones do, which is nice. You know, he's, he's got like little quips for a lot of the, the beginnings and endings of stages as well. You can almost compare him to Bubsy a lot because Bubsy does do a lot of those things, but this just works a lot better than Bubsy did. Like the, the, the cartooniness of him works better with the visual language of the game. You know, his quips and his death animations don't slow things down or get in the way or, or just, you know, so, you know, painful that they just make you roll your eyes and be like, oh, God, I've got to keep playing this, huh? It's, it's a lot more understated and, you know, it, it's so I, I really do like the presentation of it all. Uh, I think the music is pretty good. The sound design is all right. You know, again, none of that is like amazing, but uh, it all works really, really well. I think, you know, Bob controls very well. Yeah, I, I mostly agree with that. I do think, like I like I kind of alluded to before, there's a, a few things here that I wish were a little more polished. Like, I did definitely drop some jump inputs doing this. Like, there were some times when I tried to jump and just nothing would happen. And I'm not really sure what I was doing wrong there for that. And the, the other thing that I didn't love is that it is very easy to just stand inside an enemy's hitbox and continually take damage, which... It's pretty easy to get out of that. And Bob actually has a pretty big life bar. So that never caused me to die. But I was like, uh, I don't know. I kind of wish I'd been like jolted back whenever I made contact with an enemy. You know, like that could have created some of its own problems. But I think I would have preferred it to just nothing happening except damage here. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I think like maybe a little bit of knockback and some invincible invincibility frames would have uh, been a good thing for for Bob here. Cause yeah, I, I would sometimes like fall into a pit where there's like an electric floor and just continuously take damage for as long as I'm there and be like, Oh, I got to get out of here. Oh, I got to activate my, my, one of my mobility gadgets so that I can get out of here. And right. because it's all just continuously happening, it, it doesn't give you a lot of time to like, just think like, okay, how do I get out of this? I just enjoy playing this. Like, I think everything in this, you know, the, the way the levels are set up and the kind of progression uh, is, is, you know, uh, it, it works. It's all good. Um, and honestly, it's interesting. The reason, the main reason why I mentioned Wayne's World is that I think in some ways this is like controls and like what it's asking you to do are sort of 
pretty similar to Wayne's World, but it's well designed. If we're looking at Grey Matter as like, you know, on a trajectory from James Bond Jr. to B.O.B., like it's just a huge leap in quality each time. Like from James Bond Jr. to Wayne's World, for as much as we did not like Wayne's World, there's a huge jump in quality there. Yeah, yeah, there absolutely is for sure. Yeah. And then once again, just an enormous jump in quality between Wayne's World and this game. Much better level design. And yeah, a character who's just got, he's got a lot of stuff he can do. He can climb up and down ladders, hang on to ledges. You know, he's got a very robust move set. And while I do agree that I think some of the platforming stuff where, you know, you have to get perfect jumps and things like that are not great. You know, I, I, th- I think when we're just concentrating on, you know, getting from point A to point B, handling enemies, that's all really good. And Bob even has like a default attack where he can punch with a giant robo fist that means, you know, even if you completely run out of ammo, you're never completely helpless uh, against enemies in a way that you sometimes can find yourself helpless, you know, against the terrain if you're out of mobility gadgets. A thing, a thing I do appreciate is that you can do the punch. It's just mapped to a different button than the the the, the gun, so like you, you can do the punch even if you still have ammo. If you want to like build up your ammo more, I'm glad that's an option, and it's not just like, well, okay, we got to give you some way to hurt enemies, even if you run out of. Uh, of, of ammo. Yeah, when I played through some of the stages, you know, uh, multiple times, it sort of became an exercise and like, okay, what can I do to hit this enemy with my fist so I don't have to waste ammo on it? Um, which I think, you know, kind of makes this a good game for replayability as well. It's also a pretty long game. Like it's a game you get you get passwords between stages so you can you can go back to where you were. But yeah, this this game has, you know, three sort of overall worlds that are each composed of a number of levels apiece. And yeah, like there's, there's, you know, uh, there's a lot of road ahead if you start playing this basically. You know, we, we've talked a little bit about hidden gems before and how games are, you know, maybe close to being hidden gems. This might be the closest thing to a hidden gem that I think we've talked about so far, because I really do think that, you know, if I think this game actually still holds up pretty well, even in the context of like modern retro looking running gun, platform games you know like i i think there's still a lot to like about this game and if you're looking for that kind of thing if you're looking for like a a throwback 16-bit run and gun platformer and you haven't played this one which you know i'm thinking there's a good chance you haven't because this isn't one that comes up a lot in retro gaming conversations um go back and give this one a shot it is really solid i think i agree yeah yeah, you know, is is a first entry in a potential franchise. This is a really strong game, and I do think it's a shame we didn't get any more of these. We have encountered some games before that, you know, are, are kind of lesser known games like, you know, Cybernator or, um, you know, the Adams Family game that I think we, we ended up being really impressed by. But people really don't talk about this one. Like, you will occasionally hear people mention those other two. But yeah, this one, like, I think, nobody knows what this is and they should because it's it's you know a lot better than the the names on the box would necessarily suggest that it is and on that note we should probably decide where this one ought to go um yeah so speaking of cybernator um you know that is you know of the you know semi hidden gems kind of games is probably the highest ranked right now number 14 i don't know if I would rank this quite as high as that, but what do you think? I don't think I would. I would probably put it a little further down, maybe more in like the um, 
the Alien 3 range, I think. Yeah, I think that was where I was going to go next, was maybe like an Alien 3 type of thing. But, you know, I don't know if I would go much lower than that. I'm not even sure if I would go lower than Alien 3. How, how do you think those two games compare? I actually think I enjoyed playing this a little more than Alien 3. Like, I think Alien 3 was a little more polished, but I enjoyed the levels and I enjoyed kind of the, the flow of this game more. I think I'd be more likely to go back to it than, than Alien 3. And I certainly think that if you look at the stuff that's below this, um, like I think this is a way better game than Super Star Wars, frankly. Uh, so I wouldn't put it that low. I think I'm okay with putting this above Alien 3. I don't know how much further up this goes, though. Like, would you put would you put this above Mario Paint? Oh, it's so difficult. I mean, because they're, they're not at all similar. Um I don't know. I, I think I would probably give Mario Paint the edge here just because it's such a distinctive piece of software. What do you think? Do you think that just as like a thing you could like recommend somebody go and like, you know, poke around with, you would you would recommend B.O.B. over Mario Paint? I think Mario Paint is such a unique thing in the SNES library, and I, and I think it would probably have a more broad appeal that I think I would give Mario Paint the edge there, but... Maybe um, B.O.B. belongs like just right above Alien 3 and make it our new number 29. Yep, that sounds really good to me. So, yeah, B.O.B., uh, check it out. Uh, it's it's worth a, it's worth a look. And, uh, you know, hopefully he'll he'll get to that date eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, he'll he'll get to take his his new fancy car that he finds on his adventures and, and go on that hot date with that fembot. Is he Bender? Is this guy Bender? I think he's Bender, actually. I think he might be Bender. And I will say I, that part of the reason why I think he might be Bender is because I looked up what the ending of this game is. And uh, I have to admit, uh, it's not great. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's like he meets up with his date and she just like harangues him. And she's just like this really giant blue robot. And she just like harangues him. And then he sees like a much more like femme, like cute looking robot on a surfboard flying by. And he goes and like dates her instead. Uh, okay. Well, so, you know, that may be a thing, not in this game's favor, but that is exactly what Bender would do. So, you <laughs> yep. know, I'm not saying Bender's not great, but have you considered that maybe he's not great? Bender's going to make his own video game with blackjack and hookers. And you know what? Forget the video game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the worst kind of discrimination. The kind against me. Well, folks, I think that's going to do it for us for today. I guess all that remains is to find out what we've got to look forward to next time. Yeah. So what do we got coming up uh, as we proceed through June 93? Well, as we proceed through June 93 and get ever closer to uh, our 200th game being on the list... Uh, hey, remember when I said I wasn't sure if Dungeon Master came out on the SNES last time? Well, apparently it did, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, we also got Family Dog and Kawasaki Caribbean Challenge. Great stuff there, I think. Sure looks good. I'm excited for those. Actually, I don't know much about Dungeon Master, um, so we'll see. Maybe that one's good. Not terribly excited about the other two but maybe they'll surprise us i like surprises so we'll see how it goes so in any case um as always folks thank you all so much for listening we hope you enjoyed this 
Yes, and until next time, I am Emmy Zero. I'm Steampunk Link. Play it loud. Our intro-outro song is How Now Brown Cow by Technoaxe, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty-free at technoaxe.com. That's T-E-K-N-O-A-X-E dot com.